Uh, yeah, hope you all had a great time celebrating with your family and friends and the birth of Jesus and the fact that he came to earth. It really is surreal if you think about it, if we almost step away from the traditions of the world, but to also really think about what Christ did is incredible, and hopefully we can continue putting our minds on those things. Um, and also, it's December 26th, so I don't know if it's too early, but Happy New Year's as well. It's the last time we'll be seeing you, except for the young adults. They're supposed to come for a game night. Um, but uh, yeah, before the new year, and really during this time, I think it's, I really enjoy this time of year because we just spent a dedicated time really considering who Jesus is, what he did to come to this earth, celebrating Jesus' birth and incarnation. But at the same time, in this week after Christmas, we have the opportunity to consider a new year. Um, we can look back at what has happened, the past, take time to think and reflect. Um, maybe some of you have extra time this week because you don't have work, you don't have school, or you just have canceled plans for the week, that maybe instead of no time, you have a few extra minutes to do that. Um, but also, secondly, a new year is a great time where we can invigorate ourselves to, to ha start new habits, to think about, okay, how can I change some things? Um, some of us, including myself, maybe we've had too many cookies. I've, I have too much sympathy baby weight on me uh, with my nine-month-old. Um, and although those are all good things to think about those things, it's good to be healthy. Um, but I also think from a spiritual standpoint, how can we think about not only Christmas, but New Year's from a, from a godly and biblical standpoint? And so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to look at various passages. We're going to probably start in Deuteronomy 8, but then go through various passages and principles that we can use in this week between Christmas and New Year's that I believe will launch us effectively into 2022 to the glory of God. Um, it's not going to be a typical verse-by-verse -verse study, but I do trust that God will teach us today by his spirit. Um, and, and so I pray that myself and, and you would listen in to what he has to say for each of us, because when we come to God, he will speak. Um, and so we, I believe that, and I hope you believe that as well. So let's pray, and we'll get started. God, I thank you that we um, could celebrate and had a reason to celebrate this Christmas that you came um, Lord, in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of a year that may have been very hard for a lot of us, um, Lord, we know that you came for even such years as that, that you came in the brokenness and you even experienced brokenness yourself um, for our sake, God. So thank you, Jesus. Um, but we pray that in response to who you are, response to what you've done, that we would follow you accordingly, that we would be faithful, that we would be counted as faithful at the end of days. Um, Lord, we desire that above all else, um, as that we know will bring your name honor. Um, so we pray that you would speak um, through me, through the scriptures, through your spirit to each person's heart, Lord. Even if it's just one thing, God, make it clear to us what you have for us today. And Lord, give us hearts that are soft to listen and also to obey and to follow through with what you are saying, God. Also give us boldness to do those things that may seem radical, that may seem that are very different from the world and even different from other Christians. Lord, we pray that you would um, give us boldness to do those things, God. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so as I mentioned before, with extra time maybe in the last uh, week of the year, life is extremely busy. Um, and I think in our culture, it's even exacerbated. I haven't lived overseas a lot, but I know it is very busy in America, and I at least can speak for myself. It seems that busyness uh, is a burden sometimes. 
Um, but I think that this week is critically important to, to stop, to slow down, to consider. And I hope that you're taking Sabbath times each week as you're able to, but I would really challenge you as we go through some of these principles is take time to reflect and to ask God what he has to say to us at the end of the, the year, but also at the beginning of the new year. And so the first thing as we take this week and take this time, the first thing that I believe God calls us to do is to recount. And the word recount means um, to give an account of an ex- event or experience, to remember and to think about what and why things happened. So to remember and think about what happened, but also why it happened. What was the meaning behind that? What did God have in that circumstance in this year? And so let's read Deuteronomy 8 verses 1 through 6 for one example of the people of God recounting. Um, And just as a little context, this is after the 40 years in the wilderness. Israel, which originated um, from the people of Israel's lack of faith. So the reason they were in the wilderness is their lack of faith, their complaining, their disobedience. However, after recounting those 40 years, the Israelites collectively saw God in the midst of it. And I think this passage is applicable, too, because some years have been very hard for some of you. And so we're also 40 years in the wilderness um, for the Israelites. So Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 6 says this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manner, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, The Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. And so uh, from this passage, a a few things that we can consider, some questions that we can ask ourselves as we recount at this time of year. And the first question, it's simple. What actually happened? Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think back on the year and it's like, wait, that happened this year and it was in July. It It feels like it's four years ago. But we have to remember what actually happened this year. And don't hold back as you think about it. Think about the good, the bad, but also the ugly. And these people in Israel, they were, they were recounting about how they were hungry. They were in need during this time. But they also were fed. So they, had, they experienced both. They had clothes and their feet worked, which sounds super simple. But if you think about it, many people in this world don't even have that. So we need to recognize that God even provided the basic essentials. They survived the 40 years. That's what actually happened. And some of you might be saying, well, I survived this year. Well, that's good. And that's something that we can recount and thank God for. And so what happened in your year? Don't leave anything out in your thoughts. Consider the good, the bad, the ugly. Be honest with yourself. And we'll talk about it in a little bit, but a lot of times we just kind of ignore the bad and we just stay positive. But I think it's important to, to recount what actually happened. 
The second thing we learned from this, this, these few verses that we can ask ourselves was where was God in this time? Where was God in the last year? Where was God in the 40 years of the wilderness? For the Israelites, he was the one feeding them, and they attributed it to him. He clothed them. He loved them throughout the process. He was also humbling and testing and disciplining them. And remember that God's discipline is actually his love towards you. So that as you go through hard times, that God teaches you lessons, that he humbles you and tests you, it's purely out of his love. And is this disciplining, this humbling, this testing, isn't that how we're loved? Isn't that how we grow? Isn't that good that if you recount the discipline that you've had, not even in the last year, but maybe the last 40 years like the Israelites, it always causes us to grow. The more things we go through that are challenging, but that we cling on to Jesus is what actually grows us. And so where was God in your year? What did he do? How did he grow you? How did he discipline or humble you? And so how did, God, how did you see God impact your life and those around you? How did he reveal his love, his provisions? But also how did he humble you and test you? Those things hurt a little more because... We have to recount our sin, our wickedness, our rebellion, our lack of faith, but it's critical for our growth in Christ to recognize these things because oftentimes we just ignore them. The third thing we can learn from this first six verses of how to recount is what are the lessons that we can learn from them? Okay, this is what happened. This is how God impacted these times. But now what can I learn from this? What can I take from this? How can I grow from this? In verse 3, it talked about how man does not live by bread alone. So the fact that God fed them, even when they were hungry, even when it made no sense, God literally just put man on the ground for them, that God, that man does not live by bread alone, but by God himself. And so the people of Israel realized that they had to rely on God alone. He also humbled them. They were basically shaking their fists at God before the 40 years, but now they realized that they needed God that they needed the king of kings, they needed the creator God. So they took those examples and learned from them. And they failed initially because they were in the wilderness, they dis didn't obey, they complained, they di uh, rebelled against God, but they learned from that, I'm sure, that in this process, during the desert time, 40 years to think about it, that's a long discipline. But they learned from that that he is forgiving and patient because God could have wiped the people of Israel off the face of the earth because they rejected him. But God says, no, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to humble you because I love you. So even in the humbling, God is so forgiving and patient. So then the question for you is, what did God teach you? How were you tested and humbled? And how did you learn from those actions? And I really believe God does not allow things to happen on accident. We don't understand the why oftentimes, but he has a, a plan and specifically a plan for each of us to go deeper in faith and obedience towards him. That's the goal. The goal is not prosperity. The goal is not wealth and comfort. Um, the goal is to, to know him more. And so as you recount and, and think about what the lessons are that you learned from this year to hopefully apply in the future, the only thing that will last, the only thing that really makes it worth it is how can I go deeper in a faith and obedience towards God? How can I know him more? And just as an encouragement, as we recount God, what God has done and what has happened, Isaiah 43, 7 says this, 
I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion. And remember, this is talking about the Israel that was brought through wilderness, that was throughout the Old Testament was brought through ups and downs, judges and discipline and judgment, but then restoration. But all in all, God is, God is reminding us that he, his love is steadfast. His compassion, his goodness is there even in the hard times. And so let's remember to um, remember what and where God um, what God has brought us through, but also where God is planning for us to go. And let's read Deuteronomy 8, verse 7 through 10, because I think this is important, not only recounting the past, but recounting the present and the future. It says this, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And this passage to us does not mean things will get easier. When the people entered the promised land, it actually got harder with the battles and different things that were going on. And this does not mean that 2022 will be easier for us. But what I do believe is that as we draw closer to God, we will be satisfied. We will be filled with joy and peace and hope. As we turn away from this world and towards the King of Kings, we will lack nothing. And so we not only have to recount what has happened, which is crucially important, but we also have to recount the promises of God of what he is bringing us towards, about what the next step is, about the promises that God will be with us each step of the way in 2021 and also in the next year of 2022. And so this leads us to the next step in the process after recounting, after considering what has happened, is happening, and will happen, we also need to repent That's the next step of the process. We think, but then something happens. And so we recount, and then we repent. So what does it mean to repent? And um, all of the well-known New Testament verses with repentance in them use the Greek word or the base word metanoia. Um, I love that word, and for those who know me, I love like post-hardcore metal bands. Um, And uh, one reason I love that word is because there's a great song by a band called For All Eternity. It's from Australia, so down under. But I was going to ask Josh to play this song, but I don't think he could handle the vocals. (laughs) And some of you are shaking your head. Please, no. (laughs) But anyway, it's a great song, Metanoia, of... of, um, this process of change. And metanoia, the word, means um, to change one's mind or change one's heart, change purpose. And we often think of it the way that we just need to stop sinning, which, yes, that is part of repenting, but that's not the whole part of it. If we just stop sinning, that's just on us to just try not to do it again. But that's not what repentance is. It's part of it, but it's really a change of one's mind, a change of one's heart. And so as we considered the first few verses of Deuteronomy 8 and what happened and and how God impacted us, the situation, certainly there are things that will come up as you reflect this week that will need to change from our side. 
And even if you walked with the Lord and you had a great year that you felt you were near to God every step of the way, praise God for that. There are also going to be things that God is going to point out on us. He does it out of love for us because he wants us to grow deeper and to be more like Jesus. So the question is, what do we need to change? What, what do we need to change about our mind and our heart that God has for us? The first thing and I think is the most common when we talk about repentance, is rebellious and intentional sin. And so this is the most common as we talk about repentance. It's the clear rebellion of God's word. Um, God's word says this, but I'm going to do the opposite. Because let's be honest, most of us know what is right and wrong. Most of us know at least enough of God's commands, God's word, God's scripture, that we know what is wrong, but we oftentimes choose to do the opposite. So the drunkenness, the laziness, the sexual lust, the pornography, the anger, the hatred, the list goes on and on of clear rebellious sins that we plan on doing, that we say, I know what to do, but I'm going to do this because it feels good. Or we try to explain it away because we want to do it. So we explain to ourselves that, oh, God's okay with it, or we make excuses. And the answer for this rebellious and intentional sin that some of us may have um, carried out this year is not to just be a better person because you can't. The reason that you are doing the w things that you're doing is because you've tried to be good. You tried to do these things, but you can't resist them. The solution is crying out to God to forgive us and to change us. This is metanoia. This is God change my mind. God change my desires. Change my heart. That's repentance. And only God can give us that mind and heart that will cause us to follow him. It also says, as a word of warning, 1 John chapter 3, 6, it says, No one who abides in him, in God, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And I would say this is a warning for those that, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I, I know Jesus. I even sing songs about him on Sunday. But if you keep on sinning, it means that you are not abiding in him. You are not in him. And so for those that are continuously sinning and rebelling against God, even when naming Jesus as your Savior, turn to God and ask for forgiveness. And we sometimes excuse our rebelling, saying it is not as bad as others. And so we turn to Luke 13, verse 4 to 5, real quickly. It says this. It says, Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And these people, it's referring to maybe they're, they're thinking, oh, well, those people deserved it. They're being really wicked. And we might be saying, well, that person, that, they're the worst of the worst. They deserve God's judgment. I'm like, I'm trying at least, so I'm okay. But the Bible says nothing of that. It says, unless you repent, you will perish. And repentance only comes from crying out to God. And I know many of you are not actively rebelling against God, so I'm not talking to all of you, but for those that are, that message is for you that unless you repent, unless you ask God to change your mind and change your heart and stop the rebellious sin by God's power, then you will perish. And I pray that won't be the case for any of you. So then, for those that not, are not actively disobeying and rebelling against God, what do we do then? Okay, we, re, re, we repent, we know the word, it's a church word, but then what do we do? And, and I would say there's two things that as believers in Christ that we also need to repent of. 
Um, the first is unintentional sin. And I know you all know about these. The one, the slip of the mouth, the, the mindset that you wake up with and it's not of God and that you haven't met with God yet. The things that you don't plan on doing when you wake up, but then you hurt someone. You get angry at someone that you didn't plan on it, but in the moment you sinned. You, you, you turned against what God had and you chose to do something. And Leviticus 4, 2 through 3, I think reminds us that unintentional sin is not just forgotten about. It says, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. And so this clearly says that it doesn't mean, oh, well, you did your, uh, your sacrifice last year, so you had to unintentionally sin, so no problem. It's saying when you unintentionally sin, not if, just come and bring the sacrifice. For us, we don't have to bring a young bull because we have Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for us that we can go to. But I think as believers, a lot of times we lessen unintentional sin and say, well, I didn't mean to. God saved me. I'll just move on with my life. But I think it's important as believers that we deal with unintentional sin, not in a increasing the guilt on yourself, but when you, when you turn to God and ask for forgiveness and to change your mind, to change the anger that just spewed out when you didn't expect it, when that pride that, that eked through your mind when you didn't expect it and you didn't plan on it, a lot of times Christians are just kind of cruising along and okay with that. But as believers, we are called to repent of those things, which means not just asking for forgiveness, but God, change my angry heart. Change my prideful heart. Change whatever thing that I didn't do on purpose, but make me a new person. And so we shouldn't be satisfied with the past forgiveness, but we should be going to Jesus constantly, even in unintentional sin, for forgiveness, but I would say even more importantly, for purification, for, for changing us, changing hearts, changing minds. And the next thing as believers that we need to repent of is attitudes and thoughts. And so you might look back at your year of like, yeah, I, I helped these people. I did this good thing. I, I went to Bible study in church every week. Praise God for that. Those are good things. But as we recount and I would say that this is going to cause some repentance for some of us, is that we have to look at our attitudes and thoughts. So we may be acting externally according to God's commands, but where are our attitudes and thoughts during those times and also throughout the day? If we're honest with ourselves, there's many directions and purposes and objects we put our minds to, things that we have to do as, as people sometimes, as, as humans living in this world. But as we reflect on our past year, what was our mind on most fully? The majority of the time, where was your mind focused on? What was the purpose of your year? And maybe even more specifically, what was your purpose each day this past year? Get specific. What was the direction or trajectory of your life in the last year going towards? So if this 2021 kept going in 2022, where is your life be ending up at the end of 2022? What objects or times brought you the most joy? And so hopefully some of those questions can, can get you thinking about your attitudes and your thoughts. And as we looked at Deut Deuteronomy 8 and the people re were recounting what had happened, certainly they were worn out. They were maybe frustrated at what they were brought through. 
However, God brought their minds back to God and also to his promises. And so remember, as you ask yourself and, and repent of and ask God to change your minds and hearts about your attitudes, your thoughts, your affections, put your mind back on God. Put your mind back on the things that he has in store for you if you follow him. But oftentimes, we follow God within arm's length rather than an embrace. And even Will talked about it last week as we talked about attitudes and thoughts about discontentment. This is actually an example also how God redirects us in the process of repentance. That as we are discontented, and I know I've been guilty of this year, of just sadness, where I can have joy in Christ. That even in the, the, we, the weariness and the brokenness of this world, we can be content. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn with those who mourn and mourn over those that are not in Christ. But God desires that we'd be content in his spirit and ask God to change our hearts and minds about even those things. And so sometimes repentance is not just asking for forgiveness, but it's also asking God to change my views, my direction, my purposes. And a lot of you, maybe you didn't break out into this, into rebellious sin, but you were getting more and more involved in the affairs of the world, rather than putting your ear to the voice of the King of Kings, who is inviting us not only into the kingdom of God, but also into the service of the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3, 4, 3 to 4, uh, 2, 3 to 4, sorry, says this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And so there's a lot of things in this world that you can do that are not bad. They're harmless. There's nothing wrong with them, and, and a lot of them are good. But I would challenge us, as we reflect on this year and the year to come, what is God actually telling us to do? Do we have to do everything that we're doing that is civilian pursuit, if we will, not of the kingdom? Yes, God will cause you to do some of those things, but even in those things that are of civilian pursuit, how can you bring God into that? And so I believe that in America, we very easily are get so busy that we just get entangled in civilian pursuits and forget that we're a soldier in God's army. We forget that we have a commander that is calling us to do things and so we need to not just settle for the things that are harmless, but seek after the things that God would have us do. And just as a reminder, it's a popular verse, but it's a good reminder. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so God's not, we should not be seeking after what is not harmless or not bad. We should be seeking for what is good and acceptable and perfect in God's eyes. And I know that might offend people and might be like, well, I really like doing this. Maybe God would have you do that. But I would say every one of us should be asking God, what do you have me to do as your soldier, as your child, as your servant in this next year? How do you want me to change my schedule for your glory? All right, so as a reminder, repentance is asking God what needs to be, what needs to change, but also asking God to forgive and to help you implement the change. So it really starts and ends with God. We just need to humble ourselves by seeing that we need help and we can come to him. And as we come to God in repentance, what is the result? And this is the third principle 
that we'll cover today, which is the result of repentance is that you will be restored. Know that we as believers, as we recount and repent, but even during repentance and now in restorations, it shifts towards God doing the work. Just to reiterate that again, it's not you trying to be a better person in 2022. It's in the passive. We do not restore ourselves. It can only be done by God. So what does restore mean? It means to be brought back or bought back, returned to a former condition. And of course, this does not mean that all of us were once in relationship with God. Some of you have never been in relationship with God. But in this case, you would be restored to what God intended from the beginning before mankind rebelled against God, that you would be right in relationship with God. But some of you have been in right relationship with God, but maybe this year you wandered, you kind of went astray, you got caught up in things in the world. You were complacent and stagnant maybe, but you too can be restored to your first love, which is Jesus. And so as we recount and repent, he restores us. This is his response. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And Hebrews 8, 12 says, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And you can go on and on through the scriptures of God's promise of restoration if we simply come to him. And many, and, and more than you think, and I've even talked to people in the last weeks that are scared to be in God's presence because they know that they are sinful and dirty and no good, etc. But that's a lie from Satan trying to keep us from God. It's a lie to, to ourselves. God is, yes, holy and righteous, but God says, come to me in your dirtiness. We need to remind ourselves and others of this truth. And if you have not experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, and as you recount this year that you feel unworthy, run to Jesus. As those scriptures reminded us, he is not going to put conditions on it. He will take you. Do it. He is trustworthy. It may not make sense. You may not know what it's going to be like, but do it. Many people experience God through others, and it feels good. They have joy because they're around others that have joy. But that's not sufficient. Being around people that follow Jesus and believe in Jesus is not enough. You need to run to Jesus yourself. Don't wait for the church Sunday feel and community to go to Jesus. Run to Jesus yourselves. And for those that are believers and have experienced salvation, we also need to be restored a lot of times as well, whether it's intentional or unintentional sins. And he has more grace, that he does not get tired of forgiving us. Just remember the Israelites in their many years. And then we also are reminded in Micah 7 of his continuing forgiveness. It says this in verse 18 to 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And so God is speaking to the Israelites and also to us that he's forgiven them again and again. And you read the Old Testament and you're like, are they ever going to learn? But we can say the same about ourselves. But the promise is that he will again have compassion on us. So run to him. And just this last uh, week, right before break, I was at TCNJ sharing the gospel with my wife, and um, it was really awesome, just some really good conversations. But there was three conversations in a row that were really eye-opening. 
the first two, they, they professed Jesus. They, they knew about Jesus. They could uh, articulate the gospel in, in a way. But when we were talking about sin and conviction, they, said, they, they mentioned their sin. They were convicted. But then they said, well, God is love, so I don't need to do anything about it. And one, one girl even told me that God is too pessimistic. And I said, this is the word of God. And, and so they profess Christ. They profess, and they even go to a group that professes Christ, but they really have no idea who Christ is. And so it's a reminder that as we repent and, and as we are restored, there's a, there's a temptation of believers to not think that we need to be restored, that we can just trust, oh, God's love, he's got it. Yes, God's got it, but come to him, go to him. And it was amazing because after those two conversations in a row, I was really just depressed because I'm like, I don't think they understand Jesus. And then one guy came up to me and he's, I kid you not, this is what he said. He's like, hey, I'm backslidden. Does your group like teach about Jesus? And I was like, wow, that is amazing. And it's cool because we're going to be meeting with him and, and coming here, Lord willing, in the new year. But it was just a reminder to me that there, God is working. God's convicting. But that was the right response. The response wasn't just, ah, God's love. He's too pessimistic. It's fine. But this guy was broken. He was wandering from God for a couple years. But he was broken and he lost and he wanted to run to Jesus. And he wanted people to run to Jesus with. And so it was just a good reminder of the different responses we can have to conviction. And so then the, process question, the question may be asked, are we just going to be in a constant process of restoration? of just messing up every day and saying, God, forgive me. And that, honestly, I don't know if you've been there. For me, it's been tiring. It's kind of the passage in Romans where it's like you do what you don't want to do and you don't do what you do want to do. Like It's like, I just want to be godly. I want to follow Jesus. I want to honor him, but I can't. It gets tiring sometimes to be restored constantly. But there's also going to be days that you didn't sin. Like you didn't, there's not, there's going to be days where, or hours maybe, for me maybe minutes because I can't go for many hours. There's going to be times where you're abiding in Christ. So you don't have to feel guilty and try to find sin. There's going to be times where God, thank you for keeping me today. Thank you for giving me humility where I used to have pride. Thank you for giving me patience when I would usually lash out in anger. So th there is times where we don't need to be restored, but I would say all the time, constantly, we need to be renewed. And that's our fourth, to fourth topic. So we have to be uh, recounting, we have to repent, we have to turn to God, we have to be restored in relationship with him, forgiven and changed, but we also need to be renewed. And, and one definition that I think is helpful for us this morning is to be renewed is to be given fresh life or strength or to be revived. And so this doesn't all the time mean to be like, oh, forgive me, God, I messed up again. Sometimes it's, God, I need strength to keep going. I'm tired. And in our original passage of Deuteronomy 8 with the people going through 40 years in the wilderness, they were restored to relationship with God through God's discipline and mercy as they repented and believed and trusted in God. But it doesn't end there. Now the journey was not stopping and the people were being called to go deeper, to walk in obedience and so let's just take a look at three verses at the end of Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 and then 19 through 20. It says to the people of Israel, after they've been restored and, and given promises, take care lest you forget that the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, 
And then it goes on in verse 19 to 20. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And God talks about commandments and, and following the commandments, and that is crucially important. But I would say before even obedience, part of being renewed is to remember God. And and this will probably sound crazy. How could I forget God? How could you forget God? He literally saved you. You've given your life to him. You're following, you're serving, praise God. How could you forget God? And and I don't think it's talking about like that you forget that God exists or forget that Jesus died for you or that he rose again. We know he exists. We remember the gospel, sure. Sure. But do we remember that he is the Lord of our lives? Do we remember that we should abide in him in every decision? Do we remember that we're his servant, his soldier, that we are under him as our commander in chief? And, and just as, as an example, I'll get personal with myself. I was actually supposed to um, be on a flight this morning to Georgia, and I'm going later today. But it was interesting because my wife and I were traveling to visit family, and I literally just was thinking, what is the cheapest flight? That was the only thing I was thinking about. I didn't ask God, God, when do you want us to go? When do you want me to, what do you want me to do type thing? Literally, it was a few dollars that I would have saved. And literally days after, I was like really convicted and I didn't know what to do. And then Greg asked me to teach today. And I'm like, okay, I need to do it. And I was slow in repentance. I was slow in, in responding to the guilt that God had given me. And I'm not saying that if you miss church that you're ungodly and that you're going to be judged. But the, the thing was, I literally forgot God. I literally just focused on one thing rather than, God, what would you have me do? And so it's just an example that we can be following and serving God, but we can forget him in our decisions. We can forget to ask what he would have for us. And so part of the process of renewal in the new year is to remember God. He's our Lord and Master, a good one at that. He's trustworthy. In every decision that we make, whether it's a small one or a big one, we need to consult with him. We need to pray. We need to seek him. He will give you wisdom and understanding. And he desires to bless you as his children with his presence and all that you could ever need. But we just have to remember him. It sounds so simple, but I can guarantee you there's some others like me that are, have also forgotten God in various times this year. And so God is not asking us uh, to shape up, to be better. He's asking us to remember him. And then as we remember him and allow him to shape us, we will follow in his commands. Another area of renewal that God gives is from the, the idea that we are tired and that life can be challenging. But the question is, where do you get your renewal from? In Deuteronomy 8, the people had gone through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and they were not done moving. They were going to keep on going. They prob- I'm sure they were like, when will this ever end? When will we get to the promised land? Which they talked about constantly. And some of, it, some of you have been, had a tougher year than usual. You need physical, emotional, spiritual renewal. You need energy. You need that encouragement. And I would say following Jesus is actually harder and can be harder than not following Jesus. Because We are going to face persecution. We're going to face backlash. We're going to face mockery. 
And so in all of these things, we need renewal. We get tired, and I hope that most of you agree that we need encouragement, strength, and energy. And so often we go to TV, we go to fun, whatever gets, gets us going, our juice is flowing. We go to music, we go to social media, we go to sports, we go to our phones, we just look for a vacation, we go to whatever it is to distract us from reality. And some of those things are good, and, and you should do those things. Vacations aren't bad, music is not bad, all those things, they're not necessarily bad. But are they being used for your renewal, or is God your renewal? And a lot of times, I have and we have been guilty of this. Just a couple weeks ago, the young adults, we were going through Daniel 5, and Belshazzar the king um, was literally getting drunk, partying orgies while his city was being attacked. So he was just trying to distract from the reality that his kingdom will fall. And we're probably not being getting drunk and participating in orgies and all that. But I would say that as believers, we certainly try to numb our senses and remove ourselves from reality so that we can just be distracted, like a temporary reprieve. And Sabbath is good, and, and doing whatever gives you rest in Christ is good. But I would say, and especially in our small group at, at C4, the young adults group, it was amazing how this resonated with everyone, that we were all feeling, wow, we do this all the time, that we just distract ourselves so we don't think about the world. But I would say, instead of trying to distract ourselves or numb ourselves with things that may not be inherently bad, but it causes them to be bad if we're getting them renewal, re renewal from them or trying to get renewal from them. Rather, we should go directly to the water of life that only God can provide. John 4, 13 to 14 says this, Jesus said to her, the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so often we just try to get, get through the day by distracting ourselves. And you have to keep going and keep going and you need more and more time to, to distract and numb ourselves from the challenges of the world that are real. But rather, if we go to Jesus, if we spend time with Jesus, he will give you not only the, the renewal, the energy, the encouragement, the life, but he will keep on giving it. It says that he will get, become in him. So in us, God will become a spring in you. So it's an ever never-ending spring of water. It's not something that gives you a little drink from the water fountain. It's literally a fountain coming from you by God's spirit. And it wells up. It results in eternal life. And Revelation 7, 17 says this as well. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And this is certainly referring to the new kingdom of God one day where we look forward to being. But the fountain, the springs of water of life will be there. But remember from the John 4 passage, God is giving us this spring of water now. It's not like, oh, when in heaven, I'll finally be renewed. God can and will renew you today if you just come to him. And so as believers, I challenge you, don't look for something that just distracts you and just to um, just numb things from reality. Rather, go to the fountain of life. Open up the scriptures. Take that hour to pray and God will move rather than just trying to distract our senses. And there's going to be moments that we feel that we cannot keep going. 
I know I've had that in this year. We go to the fountain of life. When we are just tired of pe- for people that we've been praying for that they're never going to get it. Go to God for endurance. When it's extremely difficult to love that person, we cry out to God for a supernatural love. When we feel we cannot help falling to that temptation and into sin, ask God for that freedom that he offers. And so remember, all these things that we get tired of as believers especially, all of that can be restored and encouraged and strengthened through Jesus. But the thing is, we get tired and we usually run from God and we distract our senses. The, na- the last part of renewal that we need, and-, and I think as an encouragement in the process of renewal, is be renewed knowing who is with you and what is to come. And I know we put this on the screen multiple times, but we'll do it again. Deuteronomy 8, verse 7 to 10. Look at as, as it says that God is bringing you into a good land. Not saying, meet me in the land. Like, find your way to me. Come to me. He is bringing you through every part of the process of life. And in that life, there's going to be fountains, there's going to be springs, there's going to be valleys, hills, wheat, barley, all that we could imagine. And in verse 9, it says, you'll lack nothing. In the midst of our trials and our challenges and straight up weariness of our journey that we're on, because it's tiring, God reminded them and he also reminded, reminds us that he's the one bringing them to the destinations. That we can be in relationship with God that involves us walking and abiding with God through the ups and downs. We trust God and we trust that he knows where we will be and what we'll do this next year. We just take that next step. And just as as an encouragement as well, Isaiah 46, 4 in the NIV, it says this. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. And so God will sustain you. 2022 may seem daunting. All the things that need to be done, all the things that you have to figure out, all the things that you have to change. But God is the one who sustains, who carries, who rescues. And even to your old age and gray hairs. So even though you may have been walking with God for 40 years, even though you may be getting old in years, God does not stop sustaining and carrying and rescuing. He's the all-powerful one. He cares about you as an individual. He will rescue, carry, sustain, renew you each day. And we can pray and confidently come before him in prayer. We come to the fountain in prayer. There's nothing that God cannot do. Let's pray according to God's will, and he will answer. And I don't know about you, and hopefully you even do this during your recounting process, but there are time and time again this year that I've seen that God answered prayers. And this is not boasting about my prayers. Honestly, I'm thinking more about the people, even in our young adults group, that we pray every week and we fast once a month. And I can tell you so many times that God answered prayers. Time and time again. Sometimes with it, literally within minutes. Sometimes within days. Sometimes within weeks. Sometimes we're waiting for it still. But God is answering prayers today. And I, and I hope and pray that as you come to the fountain of God to be changed to be made new, to be strengthened, that you would also pray according to God's will, and he will answer you. And so recount, repent, be restored, be renewed. Take some time this week and reflect and ask God to enter into your reflection. 
And as you feel the Lord speaking to you, step out in faith and obedience and do it by the power of God's spirit. Do it with someone as well. We are not meant to do it alone. Um, As we get tired and as we just want to numb ourselves, the temptation is to do that. And that's why as we have community, that it's, it's meant to do it together. And I would say in that community, as a, just a quick side comment, is be vulnerable. Um, share the good, bad, and the ugly. Don't just say your year was great because we all know there is challenges. So be vulnerable and, and do it with each other this year. And I really believe that God will bless it, bless us individually, bless us corporately, and also will draw more people to himself. And so don't wait. Let's get right with the Lord now. But also let's radically worship, radically obey, and make his name, no, name known this next year. There's many people that are dying in their sins and they have no idea. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you um, are a merciful and forgiving God. That we can come to you over the same sin a hundred times and you'll forgive us the hundred first. Um, that we don't have to be we know that you're not weary in forgiving us. Um, so, Lord, give us hearts and minds that even desire to come to you, to be changed, to be forgiven, to be purified. And, Lord, I, I ask also, Lord, that those that, are, uh, that do know you, God, um, that we would not be stagnant, that we would not be satisfied with what has happened, but that we would be hungry for more, that we'd be hungry for more time in your presence more time at the fountain um, of life. And um, Lord, that you would make us more like you, God. Help us not to be distracted in this world with everything going on. Help us to be laser focused on the mission that you have for us. Um, Lord, I pray also for this community that you would speak to us um, and through each other, Lord, that we would be people that are asking for prayer for one an- from one another, um, that we need help um, to be encouraged from other believers that you have put in our path as well, God. And these things we pray and and we can confidently know that you will answer because these things are according to your will, according to your scriptures, God. In your name we pray, Jesus.